the sense of our youth. David was writing that psalm pre-cross. We know he does not remember our sins. Praise his holy name. Let us begin this evening. You can stand with me in honor of God's word. We'll look at the prodigal family. The prodigal family. I believe this story tells us more of not just this prodigal son, but the whole family is very, very prodigal. Um, and one in the negative sense and one in the positive we talked about this morning. But tonight we're going to look at the older son. We're going to look at, we're going to begin where we stopped, verse 23. And we're going to read down to verse 20, 32. So let us begin this evening. Luke 15, verse 23 to verse 32. The word of God says here, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of his one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father have killed the fatted calf, because he have received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgress I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as thy, this thy son was come, which have devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meat that we should make merry and be glad for this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love, grace, and mercy. Lord, I ask that this evening you will touch our hearts through your word once again. Speak to us this evening, Lord. Touch us once again by the breaking of the bread of your word. Holy Spirit, have your way in our midst once again. Move, touch, comfort, rebuke, revive. Whatever we need, Holy Spirit, provide to us this evening. Let us once again see your glory. Oh, let us see the glory of the Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Bless us, I pray in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. This morning we saw the prodigal son. The prodigal son is, is the negative portion of that word prodigal, which meaning wasted or wasteful. We saw how the prodigal son wasted his relationship with his father. He wasted his inheritance and he wasted his life for many years in that faraway country. Then we saw the prodigal father, and we looked at prodigal from a positive sense. 
The prodigal word also means the synonym of it is lavish. And we saw how the father lavished his son. Some would say he was wasteful. Some would say he, they would condemn him for being so good to his son. But um, as we read in Psalm 23, praise the Lord, we serve a God who is prodigal over us. The cup overflows in our lives with goodness. Goodness and mercy chases us every single day. And you know what? It's never wasted on me. <laughs> I need all the grace I can handle. Uh, overflowing cups is a negative thing I talked about. Uh, my children wasn't here for that, but I want them to know that don't waste food, right? Don't, don't waste water. Don't overflow your cups. Put at a minimum that line, you know, that McDonald's line, they fill up to that line. Don't overflow your cups. I hate overflow cups, but praise God. We serve a good God who overflows our lives with goodness. Uh, I just love to think on that point. And, and we saw how this prodigal father, he ran to his son. He didn't hesitate. I like the running because I'm trying to get my steps for the day. He ran to his son in love. He didn't hesitate. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't think, what should I do? He found his son. Remember, we talked about how his son was still lost. Get out of the pit pen did not save him. Reforming his life did not save him. He got out of the pit pen because he wanted to fill his belly. But praise God, he was in a confessional mate. He was in a repentance way. But re reality was he was trying to escape hell. Now, hell is a good deterrent for people to get out of. Amen. To come to faith in Christ. But Hell, getting out of hell is not the end of the Christian life. It's not the end of the gospel. God wants relationship. So he's coming across the hill, condemned in his heart, condemned by the society he lived in. The Mosaic law says he should be stoned for being unclean, living among unclean people, eating with unclean pigs, handling unclean things. The Mosaic law says he is not worthy to come home. He's, he should stay far away from the city. Seven days, whatever the Mosaic covenant would call for, or he should be beaten and stoned and mocked for being such a disobedient son. But his father ran. Oh, praise God. His father outran the law. And praise God, we serve a God. His love has outran Moses' law. He covered his son. He took on his son's uncleanness. He embraced him. He kissed him over. David, can I kiss you? No. He kissed him over and over again. You can just see the pig filth getting all over his mouth. This is, this is a gruesome scene, but this is a pointer to the cross. How all of our wretched sins were getting all over the son of God. Not in him. But all our sins went on him. And we can see this embrace as the, 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 the incarnation, as the death of Jesus Christ. But then we see the resurrection of the young son. He goes on to give him his best coat. He puts his best robe on him. You know, if I got good things in my house, I, I usually try to keep them from my kids. Like my, my hats, I've got many hats on the road, and I like my hats. And then I come home, and I see them full with dirt this week. Uh, one of my hats was just dirt, 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 dirt. And I was like, my son put my hat on again. Right? We, I try to keep the, 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 the best things from my kids. But here, the father, while his son is in all this filth, he says, put the best on him. 
Praise God. God has clothed us in his best. Jesus Christ, our Lord. When he rose from that grave, he has given us his life. He has clothed us in his blood. We are in Christ. We're not Christians in this modern sense. Paul would have told us many times. He's told us all over Ephesians. We are in Christ, in the beloved, in the, in the beloved, under the blood, in him, in Christ. That's where we are. So then he puts the ring on his hand. We're co-heirs with Christ. It speaks of authority. His son now has authority like he was never uh, a prodigal at all. Like he's never done anything wrong at all. He's back in the family as an authoritative person. And then he puts his shoes on his feet, giving him surety that you are my son. You have work to do, son. You're not a servant. Slaves don't have shoes. No, you have work to do. I've, I've called you. I've ordained you to be his, what are we? His workmanship. We are to put on the gospel shoes of peace, right? We have work to do. We have peace with our Father, and now we need to go out into the world and give peace to others. But now let's jump into tonight. I'm already too long into the intro, but let us now jump into the night this evening. We're going to look at first, we're going to start with the lavish celebration of the Father. We see in verse 23 and 25, this lavish celebration. The father is happy. The Bible says here, and he said to them after he clothed them, after he put the ring, after he put the shoes, bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat. This is filet mignon. This is is the big boy. He said, bring the biggest, the best. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and it's found. This celebration is not about the son. It's about the father. Remember, the shepherd in the, in the other parable, the shepherd was celebrating. They were celebrating the shepherd for finding the sheep. They were celebrating, the woman was celebrating. They were celebrating the woman for finding the, ships, the silver. So this celebration is not about the son. It's about the father. This is appointed to us at the end of days. We will sit at the marriage feast of the Lamb. It's the the Lord's Supper, right? We're going to sit at the marriage feast of the Lamb, not of the sheep. It's it's about the Father here, this celebration. And he says, and then we see this this elder son come in, but we'll get to him in a moment. Let's keep looking at this celebration. We saw celebration over the sheep. We saw celebration over the coin. Now over the son. You know what you can't do? You can't show too much excitement over a newly born again Christian. The Bible says they were playing loud music and dancing. These are two no-nos for Baptists. This is true joy. This is, I, I say this is the Holy Spirit right here. The Holy Spirit is, is referenced as wine in the Old Testament. He's represented as oil. This is a celebration. This is the, a Holy Spirit-filled celebration over the Father saving and finding his son. So, so they're celebrating. Luke 15, verse 7, Jesus says early in our chapter, he said, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven 
Over one sinner that repenteth more than over 99, 99 just persons which need no repentance. We have a God who lavishes. He loves to lavish his joy on his people. We need to enjoy what God enjoys. Paul lived this out in his ministry. I did a study on this a while back, and I just love this, how many times Paul was thankful over the saints. He was thankful. He was overjoyed that they were still walking in the faith. Let me give you a few of them. Ephesians 1, 15 and 16. He says, wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. He was joyful about them. He was joyful about their faith. Colossians 1, 3 and 4. We give thanks to God in the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love which ye have to all the saints. 1 Thessalonians 1, 2. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Philippians, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Corinthians, Corinthians, the crazy, I mean, they had somebody out there sleeping with their mama. The Corinthians, he says, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ. He never wrote an epistle without thanking God for them. He never wrote an epistle without sharing his joy over them, to them. The only epistle he did not share his joy over them and to them was the Galatians. And that was because they ran to the law. He was upset. They went to another gospel. So he had to get straight to beating them down. But the, 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 the whacked out Corinthians... The Philippians who had problems, the Colossians, the Ephesians, the Thessalonians, he praised God. He shared his joy over them. It's an attribute of the believer to be thankful over new believers. If you can't be thankful over new believers, you have a problem in your faith. You're not enjoying what God enjoys. So well, that's what we see here tonight. Now let's jump into the prodigal. The prodigal liberty. So we see the prodigal life, the first boy. We see the prodigal love. Now we're going to look at the prodigal liberty. This is in the negative. A wasted liberty by this third son that we see, the second son. A wasted opportunity. Let's read. The first thing we recognize about this son is his silence. Verse 11 and 13. Listen to the words of the chapter. Listen to the word of God. He says these words. We see his silence here. And he said, Jesus speaking, a certain man had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me a portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. So first thing we see is the, the brother, the older brother is silent. Through all the strife between the younger son and the father, that's strife here. They're out. We talked about that this morning. He, he did not care about his father. He was in effect saying, Father, I wish you were dead. Give me what I want. Give me my stuff. Give me what I deserve, a sense of entitlement. But the older son does not speak up. The Middle Eastern culture, 
the, the hearers will be hearing, why didn't the oldest son speak up? At least tell his younger brother, hey, I don't think you should do this. Hey, this is not a good idea. Hey, you should, be, you should not go. That is not a good idea. The oldest son is not concerned with his, his, his younger brother. He does not care. His older brother, his younger brother is going uh, uh, into the world. You would think as an older brother, he would have some kind of nourishment, wanting to love his, love his brother, wanting to um, reach his brother. But he did not care. He's silent. This goes back to verse number two. Um, what Jesus is doing here, he's shooting a shot in the heart of Judaism. The, the, the older brother represents the Jews. Back in verse number two, what are they mad about? They murmured. All these parables exist because they murmured against Jesus for accepting sinners, for sitting with sinners, for eating with sinners. You know what Judaism had no time for? Reaching the lost. They had no time. They had no love for the lost. They did not care about the lost. In this analogy, the older son is the Jews. The younger son is the Gentiles. The Jews did not care if the Gentiles ever came to Jehovah. They would not. They could not. They could care less about the Gentile nations. So here he's shooting a heart right at them. And he says this in Luke 11, verse 42. He said, but woe unto you Pharisees, for ye tithe mint and rue and all men of herbs and pass and pass over. You walk right past judgment and the love of God. These are ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. They were silent to sinners all around them. And I tell you, child of God, when we are silent towards the world about God's goodness, we are acting just like the Jews. Every, Jesus is always linking our minds to soul winning, to the Great Commission. And here, once again, silence of the older brother, not beckoning, not saying something to the younger brother at all. Just, oh, that's not my business. That's his mentality. Not my business. I don't care what happens to my brother. You can tell he does not care because, as we talked about this morning, the, the father's always waiting for his son. He was always looking for his son. You know what the brother was doing? Living his life out in the field. He's not worried. He's not concerned. He's not aching. He's not agonizing over his prodigal brother. So I tell you, child of God, let us not have the older son mentality. Let us not be a prodigal of our opportunity in this world to be Jesus' light to this world. Let us not make the same mistake that the Jews made in not worrying about the loss and hating that the loss is even getting close to the kingdom. God. So we see the older brother's silence, the older son's silence. Then we see the older son's strained relationship. And he called one of the servants, verse 26, and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, thy brother is come, and thy father have killed the fatted calf, because he have received him safe and sound. The older son here we see that he had no heart for his brother because he had no heart for his father. We can, we can see him standing outside. You would think that's his future house that they're doing this in, 
right? He's going to get the inheritance, the big load. He's already got it, and, and we're going to talk about that. But he's standing outside. If there's a party going on in your house as a kid, you're going to go ask mama and daddy what's going on. Right? That's natural. You would think you would, he would go ask his father. But you can see the strain here. He's not even looking for his father. He's not even trying to find out what's going on. He just asks a servant. We can see this strain in their relationship. If this relationship was in a good place, he would have went into his own future home and asked his own dad, what's going on here? But he has a problem with his father. I tell you, the Jews had a problem in prayer. They was not talking to Jehovah. They was not in communication with Jehovah. And I tell you, when you're prayerless, when I'm prayerless, it is a, it is a, 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 I, I believe it's a picture of us really having a heart problem with God. When we stop talking to him, when we stop asking, when we stop seeking his face in prayer, that's a real problem in our relationship. Every family falls apart because of bad communication. You know how it is if you have a child at times and that relationship becomes strained and they don't want to talk to you. Or there's times that you don't want to talk to them because you're so angry, right? There's times that we have those moments in our family relationship. Communication. It shows a good relationship. It shows a strained relationship. Back to verse number two. They murmured. They murmured against Jesus. Them, I tell you, every time the Jews murmur, it was bad in the Old Testament. You read over the Old Testament, just do a word study of murmur tonight. And you will see every time they murmured, God would bring vipers. Every time they murmured, God would bring disease. He would bring pestilence. He would bring fire. Fire came out one time because they murmured against God. Here in verse number two, they're murmuring. I tell you, child of God, you're either murmuring or you're praying. You can't, there's no in-between. You're murmuring against God under your breath. You just see it, right? This little murmur. You're murmuring about the Lord or you're going to pray. Like, Lord, I don't understand, but help me understand. Lord, I don't like what I'm going through, but help me find joy in this. Or you're, oh, I don't understand why God put me through this. And that's what we see here. We're going to see more. Uh, going to our next point, the oldest son stunning, his stunning anger. His stunning anger. It's out of mind that he's angry. Verse 28. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. Now he is, this, this boy is in all-out protest. The oldest son was nothing like his father. To him, the best thing in the world was that his brother stayed dead. Because in his mind, his brother's dead. His brother's lost. And the best thing for his life, his selfish life, was that his brother stays dead. We can see him making a sign that says, no saved sinners. Go home. Go back, brother. Go back. You can just see the protest here. He's out there just protesting. You can see him. He wants to be seen, too. Every kid that ever protesters or sad or mad, they want to be seen by their parents, so they got to stand near you. They make a... You can see him just looking through the window real mad. He's looking, so right, just, just with this turned up lip. 
He's mad. He's angry. He wants his father to see. You can see the father saying, and he just, because he wants the father to know, I'm angry about this whole situation. Oh, this pouting baby standing in the window with a scoff on his face. He, he hated this party. He hated seeing his brother home. See the brother, you can see the father. You can see the father asking people, where's my son? But you see the father's gracious. Here he is again, the prodigal father. We see him come outside with compassion. Look at our verse. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. Uh, in my mind, when I'm in my sinful flesh towards my children, when they refuse to do something, I come out and say, boy, you get in here right now. Yeah, that's perfect timing, David. Sit down. You can see him saying that. He's in, uh, 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 out of my father, who's not being godly, is going to command his son. But here he is being compassionate again, prodigal again, lavishes with love. He just overflows with love for his children. He comes out. You would think, man, I mean, most people would slander him. You're not a good father. Both of your sons are lost. He is not worried about what people say. He's coming out here, and he's going to show his son mercy. He does not scorn him. You know, in the Middle East, we saw this with King Xerxes and Queen Betsy and Esther. Remember that story, Sydney and Esther, when King Xerxes said, get here, queen, come to this party? She said, no, I'm not coming. And what did he do? He banished her. You're done being queen. That's the Middle Eastern culture. In the Middle East, in the law of Moses, under that type of mindset, this boy should be scorned, shamed, and whipped for not coming in this party. But we see a lavish father. He's pleading for his self-righteous son. He's pleading for this pouting son. He's not forcing him, his son into the party. He's gently encouraging his son to come into the party. You just see him putting his hand around him. He's like this, you know, David, come here. Sister. He just puts his hand around him. You, you can see him just uh, entreating him as a, as a loving father. I'm not, I'm not going to scorn you. I'm, I'm, I'm pleading with you. To just come inside. I see Jonah here. The end of Jonah ends like this story. Does it do well for you to be angry? Is it well for you to be angry about your son, your brother? Is this doing you any good? It's just entreating him, just loving him, just showing his goodness once again. But we see the son's stunning anger, and then we see the son's self-righteousness. Verse 29, and he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgress I at any time thy commandments. Oh, this brother, he's lost. He's lost. This is not the, don't, don't let people tell you that the, the first son was the only one lost. No, this boy is lost. Remember this morning when I said the boy is still coming home lost because he's looking to the law to make his relationship right with his father? He's like, I'm going to go serve. I'm going to pay off my debt. I'm going to make my life right because I'm going to serve. And here this boy, first thing out of his mouth, you want to know how a person is lost or not? I'm a good person. I, I do all the commandments. 
His self-righteousness is coming through. He will not allow himself to enjoy the harvest of the Lord because his religion is wrapped up in works. That's religion 101 right there. He sees his relationship for the majority of his life with his father. It's not a love relationship. It's a law relationship. It's I, I, I did this, I did that. I've kept your law. You see, we have one kid breaking the father's heart by breaking the law. And we now have one kid breaking the father's heart by keeping the law. This is the young rich ruler. He's coming up in Luke 17, I believe, or 18. The young rich ruler, what did Jesus say? Keep the law. He spat out everything he kept. Jesus said, okay, one thing have you. You need me. They ain't about to sell another things. Come after me. You need a relationship with me. The law won't do that for you. But that's what this boy is at. He's in the law. He's seeing the law. And what did God do? He broke it. broke Jesus' heart. He, his heart was broken. Because the boy chose his money over Jesus. The young ruler, it broke. I tell you, God's heart is broken when we're seeking and we overvalue or highly value our works over the Lord himself. His heart is broken. So the boy is overvaluing his law keeping. He's so full of himself, he can't see where he has erred in his relationship. That's the Jews. They were so full of themselves, they could not see where they erred in their relationship with Jehovah. He didn't obey out of love. He obeyed out of the letter of the law. Not out of joy, but out of obligation. Not with laughter, not with happiness, not with joy, but with a complaining spirit. Christianity ceases to be Christianity when it, is only, when it only becomes about works or my blessings or no longer about seeking the loss and no longer about having a good relationship with the Father in heaven or with born-again believers. So the older son slanders his father. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which have devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. I love his language. His language speaks so much of our language today. When one of my kids is bad, I usually tell Tia, you need to get your kid. Right? No, no ownership at all. He's not saying my brother. He said thy son. He has no ownership of the, He has no love for his brother. He, he slanders his brother. He slanders his father. He said, this boy, I, I, I've, I've been here. I've done right. He's done wrong over, over and over and over and over again. And he, he goes to the point where he thinks he's, I don't know if it's true or not, but it seems like he's over-exacerbating what the boy has done. Harlots. Who said that? But that's what self-righteousness do, right? It always goes to the extra stream of sin. Like, it, it slanders somebody's sin way worse than their sin could ever be. Just it, to the fullest degree, they can never come back from this. You just see a slandering spirit. To him, his brother was dead. He was still dead in that faraway country. Oh, he jumps to this conclusion about his brother. 
Self-righteousness always paints the worst picture of others. He, he, he's fully, he's full on trying to kill, slander his father and his brother. You know what this boy did? He stayed at home, but his heart was in that faraway country. That's mean Christians, they stay at home, they stay in the church house, but their heart is in that faraway country. His heart was far, far away from his father's. And that leads to the older son's sad discontentment. And this is where we end. Verse 31 and 32. A sad son's sad discontentment. And he said unto him, here's the father speaking, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry. And be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again. It was lost and is found. He didn't realize how he had it all. This older son had it all. Go back to verse 11, verse 12. This, the father's not partial. One son asked for his inheritance. Look at verse number 12. At the end of the verse, it says, and he divided unto them. Is living. He gave both boys their inheritance. The older brother had his inheritance. He had it all. The, this father's not partial in his love. We talked about this more. God is good to the sinner and the son. He's as good as to the, 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 the saved, born-again believer who's been saved for five minutes, as well as the, the son, the born-again believer that's been saved for 20 years. They have just as much in Christ as each other. It does not matter. That's the whole story of the servants. One came at noon. One came at three. The people that came at six, they all got the same money. God is not partial in his goodness to us. But it wasn't enough. That's what religion does to us. It warps the reality of how great it is to have a relationship with Jesus. It makes us think, I've been so faithful, Lord. I've served you so well. How can my child go astray? That's not fair. I've been so good to you. I've been so faithful. How can I lose my job? It's not fair. That's religion. We think it's our works that gets us in favor with God. It's the blood of Christ. That's what gives us favor with God. That's what puts us in a perfect relationship with the Lord. Religion has warped him. He doesn't realize he, he's not thankful for his relationship with his father and with the inheritance that he all, had already gained. Je Jehovah. This is the Jews. This is the perfect picture of the Jews. They had it all. They had the covenants. We learned, um, Danny, Pastor Hope, he preached, we now share in the commonwealth of Israel. It's their wealth. He's the king of the Jews. He's their Messiah. But they were so warped. They realized that they could not see it. They murmured that even the sinners could share in what they, what they only should have. They're angry that their Messiah is being so accepted to sit down with sinners. That Matthew is one of his disciples? Fishermen are his disciples? 
They're angry. But they don't realize they had it all. Oh, child of God, beloved, how prodigal they truly were. And I tell you, to us the same can be said when we overvalue what others have versus what we have. We're prodigal. We're wasting our relationship with the Lord. When we are discontent with God's promises, we're prodigals. When we are unthankful, not thankful for being under the blood, we're prodigals. When we value our service more than our Savior, we're prodigals. When we refuse to speak to the lost, we're prodigals. When we refuse to fellowship with the church, we're prodigals. He's refusing to go in the house. There's many Christians who are prodigals because they refuse to celebrate Sunday after Sunday, the Lord's resurrection. It's the Lord's day. We don't celebrate the resurrection on Easter only. We've celebrated every last Lord's day. They're prodigals. We're prodigals when we're not in joy. We're not joyful over the dead coming to life. I love that Jesus ends this story by not giving the ending of the story. But sadly, the ending of the story is very sad. Because you know what the older brother did? The moment he said this to him, the moment the father said this to him, you know what the older brother did? Beat him. He crucified him. He mocked him. He allowed the Romans to take him. That's what the Jews did. The end of the story is the Jews killing the father incarnate in the son, Jesus Christ. That's the end of this story. Now, what's the end of our story? That's, that's, I, I love these cliffhangers. The, the Jonah story is just a cliffhanger. What are you going to do? That's what God's saying. The end of the story is what are you going to do with this story? Are you going to be the older son? Or are you going to be what Jesus wants us to be. And that's to love the lost, to match the Father's love for the lost, to pray for the lost, to look for the lost, to seek the lost. Will we be the shepherd? Will we be the woman who searched for silver? Will we be this Father who is ready and willing to accept sinners and tell them about Jesus Christ and to enjoy and to relish and to be joyful like heaven when they repent of their sins? Or will we be the older son who will murmur against God because we don't recognize and have a right relationship with God? I'll end with this quote. The law demands, grace gives. The law extracts, grace bestows. The law says do, grace says believe. The law say It says work. Grace says rest. The law threatens, pronouncing a curse. Grace entreats, announcing a blessing. The law says do and thou shalt live. Grace says live and thou shalt do. The law condemns the best man. Grace will save the worst man. Let us Run to grace, enjoy grace, and show grace. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for your, your master of teaching, Lord. You're the best teacher. You're the best preacher. I relish in the fact that I get to share your teaching, your preaching with your people. Lord, I pray this evening there's someone here whose heart is in the faraway country who is murmuring against you tonight for something they deem is not fair. There's someone here overvaluing their service over their Savior. They're overvaluing the law more than their relationship with you. I pray tonight they will repent of their sins. Turn and run. Run to your arms. Your arms are open tonight. You're you're entreating them. Come into the party. Join the labor. Join the harvest. Oh, I need my laborers. I need laborers. Come on in here, labor. The harvest is great. Enter into the joy of your Savior. Oh, let them, let us join your labor, Lord. To find the lost sheep, to find the lost silver, and to find the lost sinner that's in the faraway country. Help us, Lord, in these lost, in these wicked days. Be your people. Be your light. In Jesus' name I pray.